Hi, this is Pastor Devin, and I just want to say thanks for joining us. I hope and pray that this message is an encouragement to your life today. Good morning, Connect. How are you? You look great. I tell you what, you are the real Christians, the 11 a.m. folks on Memorial Weekend. So why don't you give it up for yourselves for being, you look great. Uh, I'm so thrilled to be able to to be here and to share with you. I'm so thankful for Devin and Ashley. They are world-class leaders. You guys are truly blessed to have them as your pastors. And, uh, you know, I believe in bringing honor where honor is due. And I want to pray for uh, certainly Pastor Devin and uh, Ashley as they're celebrating 20 years. That is significant. What a great, great testimony of of longevity and marriage. Uh, But also to be praying for those who are serving, those who have served, and those who have lost loved ones in the military. We do honor and respect, certainly the sacrifice, uh, and remember those who've given the greatest gift of giving everything uh, for the freedoms that Pastor Devin talked about. Why don't we pray this morning for them, would we? Father, we just thank you today for Pastor Devin and Ashley. What a, a courage to come out and to plant Connect Church. God, I pray that you would bless them, refresh them as they travel. God, I know that you have tremendous plans in and through their lives. So God, we pray for them, protect them, be with them, let them have an amazing time together. What celebrating 20 years. And this morning as well, Father, we pray for those who have served our nation, those who have, who have given the greatest sacrifice, the moms and dads and brothers and sisters and grandparents who have seen their loved one sacrifice everything for our nation, that we have the opportunity to do today what we're about to do because of their love and their sacrifice. So God, we honor them this morning. We pray for all those serving abroad right now, God, that you would be with them, that you give them peace, that you would give them comfort, that you would give them wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as, uh, yeah, we'll all give the Lord a hand for all those serving as well for Pastor Devin and Ashley. Now, we, we uh, are privileged to pastor Central Point Church, and I want to say thank you from the bottom of our heart, Heidi and I, that uh, you were one of the first churches to signet, invest significantly into the work in Dublin, and so thank you so much for believing in us and believing in the dream and for being a part of that. The great thing is everything that Central Point does, you will have credit for that that uh, every decision that is made, every life that is changed, you're a part of that. And so that's the great thing about the kingdom, that we're all in this together. And so we want to say a heartfelt thank you for being a part of Central Point Church. And we've been going for eight months now and doing well. Look forward to the even greater days ahead of what God wants to do. But this morning, we want to share, or I want to share, a a message called Selfie-less. Now, I don't know if you're aware, but if you look on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, whatever, you're going to see a lot of selfies, right? And it's so bad. Now, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. Uh, if this is you, if I comment on this and it's you, I'm not thinking about you when I say this. But I've seen uh, tweets and Instagrams where they might say, dropping the kids off at school or dropping at the, the kids off to the, the cheerleading competition and give this kind of the tweet. You think, oh, they're, they're going to show us a great picture of what the kids are doing, but instead of the kids, it's like a photo of mom. Like, what is that? That's ridiculous, right? But we, it's a funny reminder that we live in this culture that we can get really absorbed with self. And we kind of can lose sight of the fact that we're, we're called to live for something greater than ourselves. So we're going to pray, but before we do, why don't you take out your phone? We're going to take a selfie. So go ahead and grab your phone right now. We're going to do a little selfie. Do it with me. Come on, everybody participate here. If you have a phone, do a selfie. You can hashtag selfie list, whatever you want to do. But right now, you got to take a selfie. 
You look good, by the way. Take a good selfie. There we go. All right. Well, Father, we thank you for this morning. What an honor. What a privilege to share your word. So, God, we pray that uh, you would anoint it. It's already anointed, but you would anoint our ears. You would anoint our hearts to receive what you have for us this morning. God, we love you. We honor you. We thank you for what you're going to do in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. Well, this morning, I'm going to be sharing about, kind of sharing our faith, about how do we, how do we talk to other people about Christ. And you know, I, I was listening to a message by Pastor Josh Surratt, and he, he framed it this way, and I absolutely loved the way that he framed it. He talked about being a church that uh, cares as much about those who will be as those who already are. You know, we talk a lot at Central Point about being a soul-winning church, and that's simply, we're going to do everything that we can to connect people who are away from God and bring them back into relationship with him. So whether that is a result of having never heard the gospel, having never made that decision for Christ, or maybe they were in church for a long time and something happened and they just got disconnected. Whatever the case may be, if they're away from Jesus, we want to do everything that we can to reconnect them to uh, what Jesus wants to do in and through their lives. So it's it's funny because you can talk about a lot of stuff in church, right? You can talk about joining a team, and people are generally pretty good with that. Don't get all caught up. You could talk about uh, serving the community. We love to serve the community. You can talk about giving resources and giving finances. But something strange happens when we start talking about you know, the idea of sharing our life, the, what Jesus has done in our lives with other people. It's a little bit like my good friend Meatloaf said way back in the day. And I would do anything for love, but I won't do I would do any, Jesus, I would do any. I will serve, I will give, I will do whatever you want. But when you start talking about me sharing my faith in Christ with other people, I will do anything for love, but I won't do that. For whatever reason, we get just a little bit funny when we start talking about being evangelistic. And evangelism, really, all it means is it's sharing one who, an evangelist is one who shares the good news. So to be evangelistic just means, hey, I'm willing to say, what Jesus has done in my life and tell somebody else about that experience. It's, it's really as, as simple as that. But for whatever reason, evangelism really does have some baggage with it. So I'm going to talk about five reasons why typically we don't share our faith. And so the first one is this, that we just don't feel like we have all the answers. We don't have the right explanations. We might be afraid. We think things like, well, what if they ask a question that I don't know the answer to? Or what if in this scenario, I, I, I say the wrong thing and they just, they don't, they don't believe because I have said the wrong thing. I want to just kind of help us with that moment to take the pressure off of you and off of me to feel like we have to have all the right things to say. Like you, many of us in this room, we've all come to a point where Jesus has had a significant moment in time in our life. We've had an encounter with him where he has arrested us, where he has impacted us, where we're living free from sin. We are living in a relationship with him that has changed us from the inside out. In our job, really, there's an experience there that we have connected to in Christ. Now, I grew up an Ohio State fan. I'm from Ohio, born and raised. Go Buckeyes. Do we have any Buckeyes in the place? At least one. So there we go. Dad, thank you. Uh, we're in this together, right? Go Buckeyes. And we just, we, there, there's something about it. I was, lived in Virginia Beach for 13 years. 
And they would always make fun of me because here I was an Ohio State fan and I, I had never even been to a game yet at that point in time. But I had this experience growing up. And it was just a cultural thing in Ohio where everybody in Ohio, unless they rooted for that other team uh, in the, the northern part uh, just above us, that, that they pretty much rooted for Ohio State. It is seriously this amazing experience this amazing culture. So it wasn't just you had a game on Saturday. I think Vol fans can, can kind of appreciate this as well. Like, it's, it's the lead into the game. It's talking about the game, leading into the game, and then it's the build-up on the day. You get your gear on, you get ready, and even if you're just watching on TV as a little boy, I remember I was rooting for Keith Byers. I was rooting for Chris Carter. I mean, I, I love these guys. I had an experience. So when I went to Virginia Beach, they had this team called Virginia Tech. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they are the Hokies, right? I mean, Hokies. They are the Hokies. I don't even know what a Hokie is. It sounds kind of, yeah, to me too. I agree with you guys on that. I mean, it's just, what is that? So they would just pester me all the time about this. I had recently had the privilege of going to an Ohio State game, and it did not disappoint. I mean, the experience was amazing from start to finish. We went to the, the pep rally before and then got in, and just 105,000 people in a stadium. It is nuts. It's electric. It is amazing. I have an experience. Nobody can take it away from me. I think the same thing is true of our lives and our stories. You have an experience of what Jesus has done in your life. No person can ever take that from you. You know at the bottom of your heart, in the pit of your soul, that Jesus has done something that has changed you. That is your experience. You don't have to have all the answers. You know what? When I think about Ohio State, I didn't care what the university's mission is. I have no idea what all their objectives and outcomes are. I don't care. I don't even know when it was founded. I have an experience watching the Buckeyes that I love. And that's not to say that we don't need to grow in our faith and grow in our understanding and be able to articulate why we believe what we believe because we do need to do those things. But not at the expense of being willing to share your story of what Jesus done, the experience that you know you've had in Christ. So the first thing, don't worry so much about that, the struggle to explain our faith. Don't let it, limit you in being willing to just step out and say, hey, I had this experience. Come and check it out. I mean, Jesus has done something in me. I believe he can probably do something in you too. The second reason that uh, we often don't share our faith, just embarrassed of the church, not your church, but the church at large. I mean, you know, you look at scandals and stories of stuff that happened that should have never happened in church, but you know, you have human vessels dealing with a supernatural story. I mean, stuff happens, but it shouldn't limit us, especially the culture that we live in today. I mean, it is growing more and more secularized to say, if you really believe in Jesus, if you really stand for the Bible, you're kind of putting yourself out there to uh, maybe to get a couple shots. So there, there is that moment of kind of hesitation. And I just encourage you, I mean, no better message series leading up to this message than what Pastor Devin has been talking about when it comes to the Holy Spirit, about the Holy Spirit's work in our life, the Holy Spirit's work in the lives of other people. It's ultimately God who draws people, shows people their sin, convicts of sin, draws them to a point of repentance, shows them who Jesus is, empowers you to be a witness, and empowers me to be a witness. What a great lead-in for us to think, you know, even if this might be true, that we've got something greater inside of us that can break through all of those things. I think the third thing that will keep us from sharing our faith is failed attempts. Like, I have failed so many times at sharing my faith, it's ridiculous. So don't get 
worried about that. We, we all will have fail, failures when it comes to this. You might, maybe you were on the side of someone who is really manipulative or really coercive and really try to just kind of, hey, pound you into the gospel, right? Those, those rarely work, by the way. We've all seen the person standing on the little soapbox and being mean and nasty to people. I, I don't know where they really get that in the Bible. The, the Bible as a whole is a book of love and of grace and of reconciliation. It's not mean and nasty, the whole spirit of it. But we can, we can have failed attempts of trying to connect. You know, I think of a story when we, we uh, moved down to, uh, I rather moved up to Dublin, my mom and dad called and said, you know, one of their good friends, actually the guy who led my father to the Lord in the 1970s, uh, his grandson was in the hospital. He had served overseas. He was in the army. He got MRSA overseas. It, it actually, the virus attacked his heart. He was life and death. He was borderline. Was this kid going to make it? And so my mom and dad said, hey, would you go and pray with him? And, and once they told me, I'm like, man, I've got to pray for this guy. And I've prayed for him every single day before I visited. I felt in my spirit like this is a life and death moment for him. And I was just praying and praying. So I, the, the day of the visit, I just, I drove in and I stopped and I, I took my phone out, and I looked at his Facebook page just to kind of remember who his wife was and make sure I got the names right and didn't look like a goofball, all that kind of thing. And I was looking at some of his likes, and I realized he likes the Satanic Bible. And then there was this horrible band that he also liked. I mean, all these things that were so anti-God. And I was, I was like, okay, well, not, now I kind of get it. So I walked in and, and said, I know you don't know me, but you're grandfather knew my dad. They were best friends growing up and, and you know, just all the rest. And so we chatted for a little bit and I came to the end of the, my time with them and just said, hey, can I pray with you? And I'll remind you the context. He was serving overseas, got MRSA, literally just had open heart surgery. They didn't know if this kid was going to make it. They didn't know if he was going to live or die. And I said, hey, can I pray with you? Looked at me stone cold. Nope. I don't want your prayers. Now I thought, God, for me, a failure moment in a way. I thought, what could have happened in this young man's life that being in that place, teetering between eternity to say, I don't even want your prayers. Now to me, it's a fail. But the reality is, it's a seed. And for any of us, anytime we step out in faith, anytime we share our story or share our life with someone, it is not a failure. It is a seed. Who knows where your conversation is on the continuum of their life and journey in God? It might be way back here at the beginning. Or maybe it's two, or maybe it's three, or maybe it's four. Maybe it's they're just on the verge and you're going to be the last person they say no to. We don't know, but God does. And he knows how he's going to use you. Now, it reminds me of a story as well, this guy named John. John liked this girl in the office. And he thought, man, I really want to go out with her, but I am so afraid of rejection. I can't ask her out. And so, man, I've got a rejection problem. I've got to get it fixed. So he goes to a counselor. He says to the counselor, counselor, I have a rejection problem. I'm so afraid of being rejected. I I can't ask this girl out. And the counselor just looked at him and said, John, I'm sorry. You don't have a rejection problem. The problem is you haven't been rejected enough. I said, man, remind me not to go to this counselor, right? I mean, come on, who does that to your, your, your patient? But she said, let me help you, John. If you're willing to take the test, this is what I want you to do. I want you to make a script. I want you to go to the mall. 
I want you to stand at the bottom of the escalator. And as ladies come down, I know it's creepy. It gets a little creepier, then it gets much better. <laughs> Standing at the bottom and say, hi, my name's John. I know this might sound a little weird, but would you like to go to coffee with me? And I want you to collect 100 rejections. And once you've collected 100 rejections, come and see me. So John said, well, I can do that. I can get rejected like that. So he goes, sees these ladies coming down, and he says, hi, my name's John. This might seem a little weird, but uh, would you like to go to coffee with me? And to his surprise, some said yes. I told you it got creepier. I mean, who does that? Ladies, don't do that. If you have a guy standing at the bottom of an escalator, don't say yes to a coffee. Just a word of wisdom. But he realized, but partway through, he said, what am, I, what am I doing? This is just stupid. Calls the girl, asks her out, and she says, yes, done, sold. Rejection problem fixed. Don't be afraid of the failure. For in Christ, ultimately, it's never really a failure. And here's your assignment for this week. This is what I want you to do. Find the mall, stand at the bottom of the escalator, say, hi, my name's John. I go to Connect Church. Would you like to come to church with me? No, don't really do that. I would probably give you a little bit of a reputation that you really don't want, but just food for thought. The third or the fourth thing is that we sometimes underestimate our role in the process. Let me ask you this. I think if we did a survey today here in in any church across America and said, how is it that you came to know Jesus or how did you get into church? That the vast majority would answer, someone invited me. It was at the invitation of a friend or a conversation about faith that just or a family member who said, hey, what do you think? You know, I, I met Jesus. He changed my life. And it's an invitation. Again and again and again, surveys say it's not the lights and the lights are great, you need them. It's not the music, the music's great, awesome. It's not the webpage, fantastic. And all of your stuff is top-notch, excellent through and through the ministry of Connect Church. But at the end of the day, it's eyeball to eyeball, face-to-face, conversation of hope. Would you come? I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I think about the people in my journey of faith and those who invited me. Today, I don't, I don't think any of us would sit here and say, man, I cannot believe they had the audacity to invite me to church. Can you believe that? That 10 years ago or whenever, like they actually invited me to church. I am here today because they had the audacity to invite me to church. How could they do that? That's ridiculous. No, 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 we're not going to say that. We're going to say, thank God they invited me. Thank God that they showed me the love of Jesus. Thank God they took a risk with me. They risked being rejected. They risked in faith for me to experience you. Man, thank God for those people. We're not going to be mad. But sometimes we underestimate our role, having the same role in someone else's life that someone had in our life. Let's not do that. And the fifth reason is we just don't know where to begin. Just don't know where to start. We struggle to find that beginning point. You know, the best beginning point really is just natural. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Here's what I know. I know without a shadow of a doubt that there are people in your life today who are just waiting for a conversation, who have been prepared, not by you, but for you. And you don't have to know all the answers. Take the pressure off. You don't have to be genius, you know, apologetic man. All you got to do is love Jesus and obey him. It's really, 
really that simple. There's a really cool story in 1 John. I'm going to read it to you. 45 and 46. It's about Philip. He took this long walk. It's John, rather. Uh, chapter 1, verses 45 and 46. I love 1 John, though, 4-9. You, you can look it up later. It's fabulous. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Come and see for yourself. Now here's the reality of our faith, that nobody in this room can save anybody else. Nobody in this room can change someone's heart. Nobody in this room holds salvation in your hand. It's just not our job. Our key is simply to be the Philip in the story. Hey, I had an experience with Jesus. Here's what I know. I was living like this, thinking like this, behaving like this then, and I met Jesus, and my life has changed. I think like this. I think with grace. I think with hope. I think with purpose. I think with future. I think with vision. I behave like this. God's just changed me. And I believe if you come and see, experience for yourself this one they call Messiah, it'll make a difference for you in the same way that it did for me. That's as easy as anything. So how do we do this? How do we start transitioning from what's good in theory, evangelism, we don't want to be like meatloaf, I'd do anything God, anything for love, but I won't do that. How do we do it? First thing is this, be nice. I know this is going to be profound, and I'm so excited to be able to share it with you that you're going to be blown away at the depth of this. Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer, listen to this, everyone. I love that. Be kind. Be nice. Not be nice to who? It's a good question. How about the grocery clerk? How about the person, the waiter or the waitress who wait, waits on you at the restaurant? How about the parents of your kids' friends? Or the teachers at your kids' school? Or the mechanic that you take the car to? Just be nice. Just be nice to people. I know it's hard. I struggle with it too. But we're called to be nice. No, don't be this kind of nice. We, I t- told the story in the nine. We, uh, we have a great zoo in Columbus. Columbus has a fabulous zoo. And really, really awesome. We love to go there. And I took our older two, uh, my beautiful wife Heidi's here. They were here in the first service. And we've, uh, we have three beautiful kids. Jared is 12, Jaden is 10, and Jack is 2. We believe in the gap theory. It's awesome. And so we go to the zoo, and I'm, I've got the older two with me, 12 and 10. I'm like, so we're about to buy a drink. So I go up to this concession stand that I know is open, and I know exactly what I want. They're crazy, but I knew what I wanted. So I'm standing there at the, at the concession stand, and it's, I'm going to pretend like I'm the attendant for you. So you're me, and I'm the attendant, and I'm about to get, get something. And I walk up. I've got my two beautiful kids there. And it's just like this, doing something, like no eye contact, no engagement, like I'm a nuisance more than I am a customer, kind of a moment. And I was just like, um, sometimes I get a little cheeky, 
get a little frustrated. As we, I mean, I'm a pastor, but man, we're human. And so I was like, hey, excuse me, you know, are you, are you open here? And she's like, well, when I'm done with what I'm doing, I'm going to be, I'll be open when I'm done. And, and I was like, okay, we'll stand here and you can ignore us like you've been. And we'll just, you know, pretend it's all good. And so she wasn't, you know, she, a teachable moment for the kids too, because she was ripping her employer off. So don't, I'm just like, don't be that guy. Kids, don't ever give people customer service like that. Be better than that. That was horrible. So at the end of it, we tried to get this deal and I knew what I was trying to get and she, she just, she basically overcharged me $2, but I wasn't, at that point, I was being nice by not fighting about the $2. I was just choosing not to, but I said, hey, I know you're, you know, you're having a bad day. Hope it gets better for you because certainly right now it's not working for you. And I, and I left. I said, thanks. Good. So don't be nice like that. That's all I'm saying. I tell that story to say, don't do that. But if you do, by chance, have a moment like that, don't tell them you're from Connect Church. Tell them you're from the church up the road or somewhere else. That just, you know, preferably you don't have that kind of niceness. But if you do, you know, just say, hey, you know, I go here, not here. But I'm sure that would never happen in you. I'm the carnal one in this room. So it's, it's all good. My point is, we just need to be nice to people. And, I, you know, unfortunately, someone else is going to, be have to, going to have to be nice to that girl. But, you know, God's good like that. He's okay. Um, but, man, what, it was just horrible. I get angry at those moments about just, I mean, you're so deserving your employer. But it's a sidebar, obviously, for me. So I've got issues. Be nice. The second thing is to be natural. Now, I don't, I don't know what it is about sharing our faith. But when we start to talk about God or talk about our faith and share about Jesus and what he's, we can get a little weird. I, I don't know why. No, I think, think of it like this. What do you naturally love to talk about? So if you're talking to a grandparent, or you're talking to a mom and dad, they're going to throw out pictures of the kids. I mean, they're going to be talking about them for ages or they'll talk about themselves because people, we just love to talk about ourselves. What are you naturally good at talking about? That's what sharing your faith really ought to feel like. So I love the Buckeyes. I can talk to you about the Buckeyes. I love this app called Overdrive. Fabulous app. You can download books from the library for free. 21 days, you can get Audible books, 21 days. It's awesome. I love the app. It's really cool. You should check it out, the app store. It's really, really great. It's easy for me to talk about those things. It's just natural. For whatever reason, it can, it can kind of go like this. Hey, how are you today? Oh, I am blessed, highly favored of God, filled with the Holy Spirit and ready for the rapture. Like, what? <laughs> What is that? No. No, no, no. That is not natural. People would be like, wow. Awesome. And then leave as quickly as they possibly can. We've got to be natural. Take the pressure off. It's be nice and be natural. And the third thing is just be aware. We have to be aware. I'm going to look at this story one of my favorite stories in the New Testament about the Samaritan woman who Jesus had this amazing encounter with her at the well. And it changed her life, but it changed many other lives as well. Here it is in John chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. It says, Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, uh, near Jacob's well, And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Now, there's this really cool thing that Andy Stanley does at North Point Church. And they, they call it 
To know the who's, you have to mind the cues. And this story we're going to read is talking about learning to mind the cues in people's lives. To know the who's, you have to mind the cues. So as I share these three things, these three knots that we're going to talk about, I want you to think of the people in your life. That as I start talking about these, the people, God's going to give you names, he's going to give you faces, he's going to, people are going to come to your, to your thought. Uh, and when they do, write their names, so just jot down their names. The first is this, people who are not well. People in your world who are not well. This woman obviously was struggling. She came to the well at a time when nobody else was there. That was her whole intent. She wasn't coming at the normal watering time. She came at a time when other people weren't there. Why? Because she had some things going on in her world that were not well. And Jesus picked up on the cue. Then he has a conversation with her, and it changes her life forever. Picking up on those cues of people that are not well. You know, when I was in grad school in Virginia Beach, I I had this job, which I just hated the job. I was so mad. I was angry, honestly. I was really, not that I have anger issues because it's my second angry story, but I was just frustrated, I was just frustrated. I was doing this job. I knew it wasn't ultimately the call that God had for me. This is what I was doing. I was filing medical records going through grad school. And it was literally, do you know the alphabet? To simplify it. And if you can get A, B, C, D, E, F, G right, you can do this job okay. And so I just knew. I'm I'm really mad. Everything was about selfie. Everything was about me. About why am I doing this job? Why am, you know, all this stuff. It was all about me, and I was frustrated, I was getting angry with the Lord, and Scott, I don't get this. And I remember one day I was, I was standing there, and obviously it had become evident to some of my coworkers that I wasn't a happy boy. And this gal who's a single mom, and she said, Jason, you know, I'm a single mom, I've got two kids, and I'm trying to do life with them and for them, and this is all I have. I said, I know that this job isn't gonna be your last job, but maybe God's trying to teach you something while you're here. And I thought, man, this guy wasn't serving God. But the Holy Spirit used her to nail me that day and said, okay, I hear you, Holy Spirit. This isn't about me. Who's it about? And I begin to ask that question, who's not well in my world? And there was this gal who had a son, and I worked with her every day doing the ABCs and filing stuff. And on lunch, when it's appropriate, I just felt like God said, you, you, I want you to talk to this gal. Her son is struggling. I said, okay, God, if you want me to share with this woman, give me a, a specific verse for her. And he did. I was like, come on. Like, I didn't really think you were going to, I mean, I knew you would, but I didn't really think you would. But now I have to. It's like, all right, God, well, then give, set it up for me. And I remember... Clear as day, Ellen, hey, you know, can I talk to you? I really felt like I've been praying for you, been praying for you, son. I really wanted to share something with you. I felt like God gave me for you. And a great lesson not to just tell people, you know, what you think God is telling them, but actually point them to scripture. And so I shared with them, I said, hey, I really just wanted to read this to you. And as I read this verse, it was about the demoniac boy who the enemy was seeking to devour and God loosed, Jesus loosed him. And I began to read that story, and this gal just starts crying right there in the middle of lunch hour, just starts weeping and weeping as I read this story. I said, you know, I believe the enemy's trying to do to your son what he's done to this demoniac boy, but Jesus is going to bring hope for him. Now, I don't know, honestly, where that whole story landed, but I know that my place in that story 
was just to be aware of who was not well in my world in that moment. And I was just obedient. And I prayed for that boy and believe, you know, hopefully today he's serving God and the mom is doing well. But I realized something really important. I had made all of that about me, about self. We've got to live bigger lives. We've got to live, no, we're living for something greater than us. And once I made it about who and not about me, it changed my perspective, had an opportunity to share my faith. And that's the kind of stuff that God can do. So we just have to be aware First, of who is not well. Secondly, we have to be aware of who is not settled. So this could be, uh, you know, just real practical transitions, things in life. Here it is in uh, verse 16. It says, he told her, go, call your husband, come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Well, there you go. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So here's, you know, just a moment of transition. Who's in transition in your world? Things like, really simple things. The cues of the who's. Who just got married? Who just moved? Who's got a new job? Who's going through a divorce? Who just had a baby? who's just in a new city. What are the transitions, the natural transitions of life are unsettling for people? It takes a while to get reacclimated, to get readjusted. So just naturally, who's maybe, you know, relationally, they're in a new relationship or out of an old relationship, divorce, something like that. What are the transition points where people are unsettled? Again, this isn't about us. It's about God's the one who strategically placed you in their world, for this time, for them, for something good. So it's not about us. It's about them. It's about others. And just being aware. And the third thing are those who are not in church. You know, statistics say that like 16% of people on any given Sunday attend church. 16%. Think of that. On any given Sunday or in church. That's crazy. 65% of Americans uh, are not connected to a local church in North America. Just think about Mount Juliet, around 30,000 people. I mean, let alone Nashville, all of Nashville. I mean, that's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. We have the opportunity to reach for Jesus. Now, there's a great story of a gal who was in Virginia Beach, and she, her name is Lainey. She was one of the great soul winners Uh, in Wave Church. And she would literally take a section like this section and she'd put labels on every one of them. Just label them out. And then she'd fill them with people who did not know Jesus. Bring them to church and watch their life change because of the risk she took in inviting somebody. Absolutely phenomenal. One of the greatest, just fill a section upon, she would self-fill a section and then see those people's lives change. It was extraordinary to watch. To see not just their lives change, but what it did in her. As she would be the greatest cheerleader for them getting water baptized, she'd be the greatest cheerleader of seeing you know, them get into discipleship classes. Just life changing. Who knows what's on the other side of your invitation? Who knows what's on the other side of the opportunity that God's going to give you to speak hope into the life of people. 
we have an experience in Jesus. Our job, more than anything, it's not to explain, it's not to coerce, not to manipulate, not to be weird. We don't have to do any of those things. Thank God. All we've got to do is be nice, be natural, and be aware. When the opportunity comes, know you've been strategically placed by God at this time in their life for his purpose. And what will come of it, the stories that will be told, how it will change your life as well. I tell you, the best is truly yet to come. I would encourage you to connect, church. Let's be the kind of people who value those who are yet to be as much as those who are. That being those who are yet to be born into the kingdom of heaven. God's going to use you in a powerful way, and he already has begun that. And I just believe you've got some great soul-winning people in this church. And this community will never be the same because of your action, because of your faith, because of your boldness. And I, I just love, again, the fact that Pastor Dev has been talking about the Holy Spirit and his work in our life and his work in the lives of other people. And what, what a better setup for us sharing our faith and knowing they're ready for it and you're empowered to do it. What a dangerous combination for the enemy. Amen. Well, let me pray for you this morning. Thanks again for joining us. If you want to join us on Sunday, we meet right next to Wilson Central High School at either 9 o'clock or 11 a.m. Hope to see you there.